I'm excited to be here. I don't, uh, was used to preaching a lot, and I've not preached much in the past about a year, and uh, so I'm going to preach, and uh, hopefully it will be as fun for you as it is for me, because it's always fun for me. Um, but I, I'm, I'm glad to be here. What we're doing today is we're starting a new conversation series um, that we'll talk about in our house churches over the next couple of months that we're calling Praying the Psalms. And so we're going to kind of dive into the Psalms this morning. Um, very simply, the Psalms are a, a book of poems of prayer and praise to God. Um, they're one of the most beloved um, parts of Scripture that we have, uh, some, some of the most famous portions of Scripture um, in, in broader Christendom come out of the Psalms. Um, the Psalms are some of the most unique uh, Scriptures that we have. Almost the whole Bible is written down and presented as if it's the words of God for humanity. But the Psalms are the words of humanity written for God. So it's this, this really unique genre, this really unique type of Scripture. And so I think that we're really going to be blessed diving in to the Psalms. But I think very simply the Psalms teach us how to talk to God. Um, I don't know if, that, if any of you have noticed that um, since the last time we came to, to worship gathering, the season has changed. Uh, who, who has enjoyed the change of season? <clears throat> Anybody could do without this one? Okay. I, I fall in the, I could do without this one. It was nice for like a day, and then it got cold, and I'm like, I'm done with this. <laughs> I don't like being cold. Um, a little story that happened to me this week, <clears throat> I think it was Wednesday, I got up, um, put on a pair of shorts and a long sleeve T-shirt because really I anticipated the place I was going was gonna might be kind of cold, um, so I had the long sleeve T-shirt. Um, but I, I walked outside and it was kind of chilly. It wasn't like too chilly for me to go back and put on pants, but it was kind of chilly. And I was like, oh, okay, things are changing. So I go and later that day I, I had to put on a jacket and it was kind of it was kind of chilly that day. So Thursday morning I wake up, put on my jeans, put on my long sleeve T-shirt, head out the door. And it's like 88 degrees and as thick outside as possible. And it just kind of drove me crazy. And I really, that's kind of the reason I don't like this change of season. I don't like going from into the fall into the winter months because you never know what it's going to be in Dallas. I mean, it's, it's, it can be like 88 degrees one day and 59 degrees the next day. It's just these incredible, you know, change of seasons. It's just, there's no consistency to it. And it just kind of drives me nuts. I like summer. Um, even though summer's hot, I know it's either going to be a hot 90 or a hot 100, you know, and there's not, there's not too much difference between the two. I can get up in the morning. I, I don't have to, you know, in the wintertime, I have to either unpack. You, you have, yeah, uh, I have to have my summer clothes and my winter clothes out. In summertime, I can just have my summer clothes out. But anyways, um, I don't like it because there's no consistency. I think in summer, I find consistency. And for me, that, there's a kind of stability that comes about because of summertime. And, and for some reason, it just feels right. And, and life kind of makes sense in the summertime. Um, I really like it when life makes sense. Uh, when, when, when things seem to go well. Um, and again, I think this is one reason that we need the Psalms. is because the Psalms help us know how to talk to God when life makes sense. Um, there is a wisdom that comes out of the Psalms that um, I think helps us find consistency in life. It helps us find stability in life. And it hopefully helps life make sense. Listen to Psalm 1. Um, if, 
I don't have the page numbers, but I'll tell you how to find there, or at least how they taught me as a kid. You kind of hold your Bible like this and just open up to the middle, and you'll, you'll, there's a good chance you'll land in the Psalms. And then, what's that? 369. 369. So thanks for the help. So Psalm 1. <clears throat> it says, Blessed are those who do not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but who delight in the law of the Lord, and meditate on His law day and night. They are like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will be destroyed." This psalm tells a story. It tells a story about two kinds of people. There is the righteous and there's the wicked. And really, the, the story that the psalm tells makes sense. I mean, the good people are blessed. The bad people are punished. All right? I mean, that's how life should be, right? That, it makes sense. It's good. The, the righteous people that it talks about, um, they know who to associate with. I mean, they're not a part of the bad groups of people. They're not a part of the groups of people who are getting in trouble or who are making trouble. They're a part of, I mean, I'm imagining these people growing up, you know, you always tell, you need to have good friends, you need to make good friends. These are people who made good friends. These are people who uh, listen to the counsel of wise people. These are people who don't don't listen to that. Probably more importantly, these are people who value Scripture. It says they delight in the law of God. They meditate on His law day and night. Con- scripture is a consistent uh, staple in their diet. It is something that is ever in their mind. It's something that's ever being meditated on. And I think that consistency of Scripture leads to stability. Those people are like trees planted by streams of water. Those people, I mean, they're, they're close to the water source. They're not going to die because they get thirsty. They're bearing fruit in season. It's a good, stable, solid, consistent tree. And everything they do prospers. When I think about the righteous, um, there's some people that come to mind. And don't laugh at me when I say this, but I think about the Kaisers. No. <laughs> um, no, but in all, in all seriousness, I mean, Charles and Julie, they're some great people. And if you know Charles and Julie, um, I, I, think, I don't think we would are hard-pressed to put them in the company of the righteous. Um, they love God. They listen to God. They are obedient to God. See, Patrick knows. I'm making this up just for a good illustration, but I'm, I'm just kidding. Now, I, I really do think that Charles and Julie are some good people. They delight in Scripture. I think Scripture, they try to make Scripture... A, an important part of their life. And when you look at the storyline community, um, the, uh, one of the centerpieces, maybe the most significant centerpiece um, of, of what we do and how we practice faith as storyline has to do with Scripture. Scriptures are central pieces of our formation groups, of our house church gatherings, of our worship gatherings. It is uh, one of, if not the most significant shaping influence in what the storyline community has become. And that, in large part, has to do because of people like the Kaisers. I don't want to leave Ryan and Claudia out. Um, <clears throat> but, but Scripture is an important part of that. It's a consistent part of that. And I think that the, the good things that Storyline looks back and sees 
um, are in large part because of the example that you guys uh, lead in the consistency and the importance of Scripture. Um, and it's not that they're perfect people. And it's not that nothing ever goes wrong. But there is, I think when you look at their family, there's, there's a kind of consistency, there's a kind of stability to life um, that is, that's good. It makes sense. Um, they are, I think, in a lot of ways, like that tree planted by streams of water. And I think just a really exciting example is when, when you look at their family, you look at Charles, you look at Julie, and you look at Ryan, and now we get to look at, or one day we will get to look at soon, little baby Chloe that was born last Friday. Um, and everything's good with Chloe? Great. And so, I mean, you just look at the blessing, look at the prosperity of the Kaiser family, and I think it, I think it testifies to the wisdom of Psalm chapter one. Um, what we're going to do, what we're going to do right now is we're going to praise God, and we're going to pray. I'm going to ask you to praise God together. We're going to read Psalm one, and I want us to read it together. It's going to be on the screen up here. Uh, read it together as a prayer of praise to God for the wisdom of uh, of His Word, for the wisdom of the Scriptures, for the wisdom that leads to stability and consistency in life. So, if you would, let's stand up. <clears throat> And read this psalm together with me as a prayer of praise to God. Blessed are those who do not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but who delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on His law day and night. They are like planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers." Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will be destroyed. Have a seat. So we, we sat for a minute going, okay, I need to remember some of those things. It's, a, it's an important exercise to try to remember some of those things. And so whether you came up with something or not, um, I will ask you, like, if you, if you want a great story about um, storyline and about some discernment that, is, that Scripture has affected, ask Charles or Ryan or m- there may be others who can tell you about the way that some Scriptures in the book of James um, help shape storyline into making, I think, some probably good decisions. So um, that would be a good, a good further conversation for you to have with, with that. I want to tell you another story about some other friends of mine who I would consider to be people in that category of the righteous. These were some friends that uh, still are dear friends to to Amy and I. We met them in 2004. That was the the year that we began to to plant a new church in Grand Prairie. And and so we were working at that. And there was one Sunday in a setting not too different from this. We were in an elementary school cafeteria. Um, for a time of worship, and this, this couple walked in. Um, they had gotten a letter in the mail from us, and <clears throat> they walked in. And from very early on, they, they, uh, they showed a, a level of maturity that not many people their age and life, uh, life stage show um, as far as faith maturity. is what, what a lot of people who were Christians that came in to our little church, which, again, it was a, it was a group of people probably about this size, um, in, in something kind of similar to this, this setup, they they would come in and see. While there's not a whole lot of people, 
one of the, there's a lot more younger people in this room than we had in that one, but, but a lot of the younger Christians who would come in would look and see, well, there's not a lot of people my age. It looks like there's a lot of work to do. Um, I think I might go somewhere else. <laughs> it would be a little easier. But this couple, they didn't do that. They came in. They saw, they saw opportunity. They saw a place that they could serve. They saw a place that they could plug into. They saw a place that needed them. And so they began to, uh, uh, they became a part of our family. They, they, be, they began to serve. They, they were generous givers. They hosted things in their home. They, uh, parties and small groups. And they taught Bible classes. And they uh, were involved in leadership. And they, they did pretty much anything that they, that we needed them to do. They were just, they were great friends to Amy and I. They were, uh, they encouraged us in some fairly discouraging times. They, they were just really, really good people. People who loved God, people who were doing their very best to follow God, people who had a high view of Scripture, people who tried to listen to Scripture, people who, um, you know, had, had some of that consistency and stability that we see from Psalm 1. We were, we were so excited um, when they came and uh, announced to the church that they were expecting their first child. We were just, we were, we were so excited um, it's just exciting when new babies are born, is it not? I, I just, I can't wait till little Chloe's um, immune enough to um, come and be a part of us. It's just fun having little babies. Um, <clears throat> but anyways, we, we were so excited. We began planning ways that we could bless this family, that we could bless that little baby. We threw a baby shower. The ladies were signing up to, for meals to take to the family after the baby was born. I remember very specifically the Sunday before that baby was, the baby was due on a Saturday. The due date was on a Saturday. The Sunday before that Saturday, we gathered around them in, in our assembly, in our worship gathering, and we, we laid our hands on them. We prayed for them. We prayed that God would be with them. We prayed that God would watch over them just in anticipation of this new little baby. And you know, we, we waited with great anticipation that whole week, waiting, you know, because you never know when it's going to come. And, you know, we, we're waiting for the phone call. <clears throat> and finally, Saturday comes, and, you know, the baby hadn't come. And, and until Saturday evening, we get a phone call from a family member at the hospital. And I'm just, I'm excited to go celebrate. Um, yet the message I got was uh, there's, the doctors were unable to find a heartbeat when they got to the hospital when she went into labor and this baby's going to be stillborn. And so Amy and I raced up to the hospital, um, and we were at the hospital almost all night long, waiting for this little baby with no life in it to be delivered. And um, it was one of those situations where, what do you do with that? Um, so I, thought, I thought they were Psalm 1 people. That's not, that shouldn't happen to those kind of people. How do you, what do you do? Um, I got one hour of sleep that night before I had to get up the next Sunday and go into the worship gathering and announce to our church that um, there would be no happy celebration for this little baby because um, she died. And uh, it's, it's one of those things where all the preparation work that you've done, you just kind of throw it out the window. And you kind of go, I don't really know what to do today. I don't really know what to say today. How do you, how do you deal with that? <clears throat> um, how do you make sense of that? Do you say, well, that's just God's plan. I guess we need to learn to accept it. Or do you say, maybe they weren't the righteous. 
Maybe they had some deep, dark secret in their past that nobody knew about, and God was punishing them for whatever that was. Or maybe we should just be thankful that this little child doesn't have to endure all the pain and suffering that this world endures. Um, None of that helps. In fact, none of that makes sense. If you've ever been in that situation, I, I know my friends. They're not the wicked. And I don't care what they've done in the past. They're not the wicked. They're the righteous. Um, none of those things make sense. In fact, none of it made sense. The only thing that made sense was that this is wrong. That was the only thing that makes sense. And so, how do you worship after that? How do you pray after something like that? I had the privilege a few days later of getting to preach the graveside service for this little baby called, they named Tyndall Grace. Um, And I encouraged everyone, the friends and the family who were there, to pray Psalm 13 with me. Um, Listen to Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. This psalm is honest. It's almost brutally honest. Um, It's definitely pointedly honest. It looks at God and calls God to account. It's saying, God, if you had been here... This would have been different. God, how long? And I just, I just, I just hear my, my friends whenever I read this psalm. Um, when it talks about the sorrow. I mean, there's deep sorrow in this psalm. It's how, if God, if you don't show up, I will go down to the grave in my sorrow. I mean, how do you see joy ever coming out of a situation like that? How do you see that you are not going to die in your sorrow. The only way that I'm not going to die in my sorrow, God, is if you show up. Um, it's, it's real. I mean, it ends with a somewhat different tone um, that expresses a faith that God can still be counted on, um, even though, God, you're making me question that right now. I'm not sure you can be counted on, but my past tells me you can be counted on. Um, I'm going to count on you because really... I've got nothing else to count on. You're my only hope. And then, uh, you know, it it basically demonstrates, I think, a faithful obedience. It's, God, I'm going to be faithful, even though it appears that you've not been faithful. Um, So just, in fact, you you may show up and do something. I mean, there was... It's real. Um, I still don't have good answers for that kind of a situation. Why does that situation happen? I don't know. Um, It shouldn't happen. It's wrong. Why does it still happen? Why does God let it happen? 
I don't have the answers. Um, but I'm thankful for the Psalms, like Psalm 13, because they help me to pray um, in the midst of that. They give me permission to be really honest about my own thoughts and feelings when I come to God. Um, when we come together today to worship gathering like this, we all come out of different uh, situations. We come out, hopefully all of us are just in this wonderful season of well-being where uh, we're feeling the st- stability and the consistency of life. But chances are some of you are not. Um, yet we come together to worship together with those things. And so we prayed a psalm of praise together in Psalm 1. I want to ask you again to stand up and read Psalm 13 with me as a prayer um, for all of you who may be here not feeling so great about life, feeling like, God, I could really use you to show up right now. God, things just aren't going my way. So if you would, let's read this together. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for He has been good to me. The Psalms help us realize that we live life in seasons. Is there are seasons of well-being when life makes sense, when the righteous are blessed, when the wicked are punished, when life is generally good and we're experiencing the blessings of God. There's also seasons of despair, when everything seems to go wrong, when we lose a job or uh, there's the death of a loved one or we get sick or a relationship that we had falls apart or perhaps someone begins to just cause us trouble. Life isn't fair and life doesn't make sense. But there's another season that's revealed in the Psalms. And to illustrate it, I want to tell you one more story about someone who is considered in that group called the righteous. This man was born in humble circumstances, but he was born with a lot of anticipation. People were excited about his birth. And as he grew up, um, he showed a lot of potential just as a child and as a person Um, He loved God. He followed God. He was um, impressive. I mean, the the religious leaders of his day were impressed with him. He he was a a young man who knew the scriptures. He was a man who was devoted in prayer. He was a man who was led by the Spirit. As he grew up and as he became a man, he began to, to have a very... Impressive ministry by all, by all accounts. He, large crowds came to hear him teach. He uh, took care of the sick. He fed the poor. He was a really impressive um, person of God. He even had a close following of people who he would equip and send out to, to do his work and to carry on his work and his teaching. 
uh, where he couldn't go. It seemed like everything he did prospered and that he was bearing much fruit for God. But a time did come when he began to experience opposition. Uh, The religious leaders who were impressed with him as a young man all of a sudden became threatened by his popularity. Um, The political leaders of his day were threatened by his popularity because he wasn't exactly friendly toward everything they were doing. Uh, They were uncomfortable with his teachings. They were uncomfortable with his popularity. They tried to frustrate his ministry, but failed. And when that failed, they began to look for ways to kill him. They even convinced, or they were able to convince, one of his closest followers to betray him. And he was arrested and convicted on false charges. And he was sentenced to death. As he was on his way to, to, to dying, the, the crowds were insulting him. He was beaten. He was treated shamefully. And he was put to death in a very shameful way like a criminal would be on a cross. And as Jesus hung on the cross, we're told in the book of Matthew and Mark that he began to pray from the Psalms. He cried out at one point, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is a direct quote from Psalm 22. And so here is Jesus in his moment of despair praying the Psalms, crying out to God when it seems like God was not there. Listen to this psalm in Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groanings? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. And you, our ancestors, put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. And you, they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm, not a human being. I am scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me feel secure on my mother's breast. From birth, I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It is melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I mean, even though we're only told that Jesus said the first line, I I can't help but think that he had that whole 
part of the psalm in his mind. I mean, when, when, he's, when it says, they pierced my hands and my feet, I mean, that, that's no metaphor for Jesus right there. They pierced his hands and his feet. And he's crying out to God, saying, God, where are you? God, you are, I can't tell that you're there. Um, we're told that not long after that is when Jesus um, cried out and gave up his spirit and died. And so here he is um, in his greatest moment of despair, praying the Psalms, being really honest with God, saying, God, why have you forsaken me? But we know that's not the end of the story. That three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. God raised Jesus from the dead. He conquered death. He exalted Jesus um, to receive glory and honor and power. And what seemed like being forsaken was actually God working for the healing and restoration of all the world. Which is amazing perspective. When we look back on what Jesus was doing, in the moment, it was agony and death and suffering and God, you're not here. And on the other side, it was, wow, I have a whole new perspective for what was going on. That God was at work in there. God is using that, not just for His glory, but for the good of all people, so that all people might have eternal life, so that they may not have to die in death, so that they could live forever, so that creation could be healed and restored to what God always wanted it to be. Um, Coming through that season, Jesus and His disciples were able to look back on the situation of ultimate despair and have a new orientation to life. To have a new perspective on what was going on. It was joy that came up out of despair. It was life that came up out of death. And this is the new season that the third season that the Psalms reveal to us is that the rhythm of life is that there are seasons of well-being that move to seasons of despair that then move to seasons of joy bursting forth out of that despair in a way that only God can bring it about. That is, that is the rhythm of life of the Psalms. It is, um, it is new life. It is eternal life. It is joy from despair. And when Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, I already told you I can't help but think he had in mind that, psalm, that whole psalm they read. I can't help but think that he also had the portion of the psalm that I didn't read in mind. Listen to that. In verse 22, it says, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. Obviously, something different has happened in this psalm. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. 
All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations will bow down before Him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and He rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before Him, those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve Him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim His righteousness, declaring to people yet unborn, He has done it. I mean, that's, that's, that's the hope. That's the joy. I mean, I don't have answers for times of despair other than to say, wait for God. Other than to say, a new day's coming. Everything that I read about in Scripture points to new life. That the seasons of despair are not the end in Christ. The seasons of despair are the seasons that lead to new life and to new joy and to new orientation. And in those times, our response is thanksgiving. It's thanksgiving to God for what He has done. We need the Psalms. We need the Psalms to give us words to pray and to praise in every season of life. But if there's there's one driving point that I think all the Psalms move towards, it's that our response is to praise. And in the seasons of well-being, we praise Him for the constancy of His blessings. And in the seasons of suffering and despair, we praise Him with our prayers of raw and honest emotion. That is praise to God. Because when we're really honest with God, you know what that says? That we're still talking to Him. And that says something. And I think that gives joy to God. And in our seasons of suffering, I mean, excuse me, in our seasons of joy that emerged from from despair when we experience the salvation of God. We praise Him with thanksgiving for who He is and what He's done. We're going to respond today in praise for what God has done. We see this, I think the, the best illustration of the Psalms is in the life of Jesus, who is the one that we order our life around. And Jesus lived the seasons, times of well-being, in times of despair, in times of new life. And He is the example that we live, we get to live in the pattern of His life too. And so, though seasons of despair come, they are always followed by seasons of new life. So we're going to praise God this morning, and we're going to end in the same way we have each time. I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to praise God by reading the end of Psalm 22 as thanksgiving for what He has done. Um, And I want to encourage you that if you're going through one of those tough times, you can still pray this praise with us. And you're praying it saying, God, do this. I'm going to praise you ahead of time for what I know you're going to do because of the promises of Christ. So let's praise God together. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor Him. Revere Him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before Him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and He rules over the nations. 
All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it.